kind of. But um, so thank you for making it out. Uh, you know, aren't you tired of things not really living up to the hype? You know, like our weather. I I know you can't you can't really predict our weather, but boy, it sounded like it was going to be the biggest storm. You know. Uh, the storm cyclone and I was I was skeptical I, I I I'm not I'll embrace the storm if it hits but you know I've been pre- preaching the gospel for 25 years um, on a pretty regular basis and Jesus does live up to the hype you know Jesus there's still there's still so much more to be discovered after I've studied the scriptures for all these years and always all these hours of preparation and yet all these great discoveries in my own brain along the way that week after week I go, wow, I, I didn't see that. I'm still excavating. I'm still discovering treasury in the kingdom. I'm still seeing revelation as I, I walk through this life and an opportunity. And so as much as, you know, the news, I get I get it They You know, they want people to click in. So the, the bigger they make the hype sound of about something, the the more people listen or pay attention or the more potato chips are sold at high V if the storm's going to be really big. So it's beneficial to somebody out there. And uh, but I, I got up this morning, kind of went really and I drove in like, really, this is it. And I had, a, you know, I have a four wheel drive and and uh, but I really didn't need it at all. But um, but I'm here today going like this life in Christ exceeds my expectations it goes beyond it's not just hype it's reality it's dynamic and that's why uh you serve him amen the ministry of jesus i wanted to start off with second peter chapter 3 verse 8 it should be on the screen there but do not forget this one thing dear friends with the lord a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day the lord is not slow in keeping his promise as un Some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Because sometimes it might seem like God is up there doing nothing while there's such craziness that's rampant on this earth. But the end is coming. But the day of the Lord, he says, will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. The earth that we are walking on and breathing on, and everything done in it will be laid bare. This is all, it goes on to say like, you know, this is all going to be consumed, and God is going to create a a new heaven and a new earth. So the whole earth, unaware, eating, drinking, laughing, showing up to church late. No, oh, I'm sorry, that just came to my head. I don't know if that was the Holy Spirit or not. But the whole earth, unaware, eating, drinking, laughing, And then it says that the sky is going to be ripped open. Fire will consume the earth, not just a scorched earth, but a total annihilation. Good morning and welcome to Falls Church. And since everything will be destroyed, verse 11, in in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we're looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So from now 
we from we're on this planet for now in this moment of time called into an eternal a ministry that will last beyond the days that we're here a ministry that will last beyond the hours of the time clock or the moments that this ball this hemisphere is you know h2o there's a lot of oxygen and and you know on this planet and you know it wouldn't take much of a of of a god spark to have the whole thing go up and it will one day but we've we're still here and the ministry of jesus can sound pretty big because it is and it's a requirement for for heaven because those who love him will do his will and his will is doing the work of his father and we've come to Luke chapter 10 this week, and it illustrates, I think, kind of perfectly in some specific and then other general ways. And it seems like like a great spot for us this morning. Luke 10. It's too big to cover it all in one morning, 46 verses. But there are a few things that I noticed that kind of jumped out at me that tie together in one theme over this chapter that we could apply to our lives and accomplish the, the ministry of Jesus with our time, energy, and service. So Luke chapter 10, verse 1. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Not just the 12, it says, but another 72, like this big group of people sent out in groups of two, and Jesus says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. That this is an established theological understanding in Christendom today, that we're called out to share the good news, to bring in this harvest of souls, but it's dangerous work. Jesus says, I'm sending you like sheep among wolves, like I'm sending you into dangerous territory. And when you get out there, the spirit of the world can get kind of intimidating in here. It's like, go, Jesus, go, Jesus. Yeah, we're going to do it. And then you get out there and you feel the forces of evil. You feel it. And all of a sudden. Maybe it's not so comfortable to speak up. Maybe it's not so comfortable to act out on the things of the Lord. And we end up. You know, these sheep among wolves, we end up seeing the silence of the lambs instead. Like we're we're too intimidated to to step out and do his work for them. It it was pretty special ministry outreach. He said to them, verse four, don't don't take a purse or bag or sandals and, and do not greet anyone on the road. But when you enter a house, first say peace to this house. If someone promotes peace is there your peace will rest on them if not it will return to you stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you for the worker deserves his wages do not move around from house to house and when you enter a town you're welcome to eat if it's offered you heal the sick uh, while you're there the kingdom of God has come near to you but when you enter a town if you're not welcome go into the streets and say even the dust of your town, we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day than for Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. And then I'm going to jump to verse 16. He says, whoever listens to you, listens to me. Whoever rejects you, rejects me. But whoever rejects me, rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy that day and said, Lord, even even the demons submitted to us in your name. And he replied, I saw Satan fall 
like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice. Your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. This work isn't about you, Jesus is saying. It's not about the miracles that you performed. Suddenly, I mean, every now and then, you know, some miracles erupt that you hear about on some website or church Facebook or it's, you know, circulates around that you hear that there's some miracles that erupted in a certain church. There's a Holy Spirit revival happening and people kind of flock to there going, wow, it must be those people. It must be that place. And suddenly it's about a place or anointed minister or amazing musician who when he plays, the Holy Spirit falls. And 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 I mean, and people will rush there and and. Well, we went to Big Daddy Weave. Maddie and Jim were there, too, and Joan and I. And, um, you know, we had a real special date. Joan and I, and then Carmen came to chaperone Joan and I, so nothing would happen. M. Yeah. So, but we went to Big Daddy Weave because a friend of mine bought, like, tickets, and they were real expensive tickets, and then he couldn't be there. So he said, hey, you want three tickets to Big Daddy Weave front row? So I said, yeah, and, and there was three. So we sa- I said, Carmen, will you come as the third wheel and so she did and then I saw Jim and Maddie making out in about the third row right behind us and uh but I was at Big Daddy Weave and so we got the little lanyard because he paid all this money to get the little meet and greet afterwards with the band and all that but Joan and I the concert was over like what pushing 11 or something I don't know if I've ever been up that late years it's been years at my age and I was tired, and then the line to, for the meet and greet was everybody from the first three, four, five rows. I don't know what it was, but it was like 100 people long already. And I'm like, Joan, we don't want to go into that meet and greet, do you? And I, I go, I don't either. So we tried to spiritualize it and said, you know, we just love the Lord. You know, we're not worshipers of men. Let's just go home. And uh, no, but I, we were feeling kind of bad because I thought somebody wants this. So I walked around the lobby, but I just didn't kind of feel like approaching any complete stranger there. And then as we were kind of going, I was like, hey, there's these two teenage girls that were kind of like waiting. Look like they were. And I said, what are you girls doing? Did you go to the concert? Yep. We're waiting for our ride. I go, oh, really? Would you like one of these meet and greet passes here? You know, you get to go behind the band and meet. They're like, the girl's like, are you serious? Are you serious? And I'm like, yeah, we're we're old. We want to go home, but we feel bad. So we feel bad. Somebody would want the person who gave this to us would want, you know, somebody. And you, got, and they were like, really, seriously, yes. And they were like, <laughs> and they start walking away. And they got about 25 feet from me. And I said, but hey, I hope you're more excited about Jesus than you are Big Daddy Weave. And they were like, Jesus, Jesus. I don't know. They played it up for me, and I was like, okay, I feel better about that. Because they were shaking for Big Daddy Wee, but they were jumping for Jesus, okay? Jesus rebukes this idea of his 72. Because they're going like, wow, even, even 
you know, the demons listened to us out there. This was awesome. I mean, we healed the sick, and, and Jesus is saying, you know what? This isn't about you. That's the trick of Satan. That, that's when I saw him fall from heaven because he wanted to be like the Most High God. He wanted the one to be all the stuff about. He wanted the one to be talked about. He wanted worship given to him. He wanted recognition. He wanted a name for himself. He wanted the hit album. He wanted the best-selling book. He wanted the trophies and the Emmys and the Grammys and the Devil Awards. And so the 72 are sent out by Jesus, sanctioned by the Lord himself. And it doesn't seem too scary in my mind, like if Jesus said, Lance, I'm anointing you wherever you go, heal the sick. You know, like that doesn't seem too spooky. Like if Jesus like told me, you know, I heard from him and I'd walk right up to Avera and go room to room and clear that place out, you know. Especially as the demonic opposition rears its ugly head of the disciples that and they see they have authority over them at for that moment. Do I think that this is a ministry pattern established in the scripture for us to follow? Probably not. Not specifically, but the heart of it. Yes. Pray the Lord of the harvest to send out workers that we've been commissioned, that this is not an isolated pre-resurrection concept. As Jesus affirmed before his ascension and after his ascension, he said, go into all the world and make disciples. So the precedent or the the broader theme of this text is still intact. The ministry of Jesus, he is saying, pray and ask the Lord that that there be those who would enlist and join in bringing in this harvest in the last great days. And then the next little bit we're going to read goes beyond the Lord of the harvest because sometimes ministry finds us. Okay, I'm going to talk about that in a few moments because the next text here is about that Jesus, after he sends out the 72, Luke tells about ministry that you can't, well, you can't avoid it, I guess, because some people can step right around ministry that lands in the path right in front of their life. Will you stand with me? for this special time of ministry. And Jesus says, pray to the Lord of the harvest and that that continues long after Jesus leaves. And then the very next thing that Luke talks about is that Jesus engages with this really smart guy. He's not a teacher. He's not a priest. And he's not a devout holy man, but an expert in the law, in other words, someone who's been blessed with intellect or respected beyond the others, that is probably a teacher of teachers, somebody who can explain the things of God and help the other of us with just average intellect understand deep spiritual meaning from God to us humanoids is this teacher of the law. And so I found this little video. It's uh, it's a kid's video, but I, I like it. It pretty much goes word to word for the scripture of Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. You know the story as the story of the Good Samaritan, but it's produced for kids' church. And so I thought it would hit us at our average maturity level in this room. So go ahead, roll the video. And you can follow along in Luke 10, 25 if you want. The 72 are sent out, 
And Jesus was clear that our mission continues of going out into the world. And we have to grapple with this calling, how it plays out in our everyday life. But here is an illustration of ministry in the world coming to us. I think it's brilliant on Jesus' part that like life will unfold on the path you're walking on. Life, life will happen right in front of you. At times, you might step around it. Situations you might ignore and think it's better not to get involved. And moments when you can literally be the hands and feet of Jesus helping someone in need. I've been there at the site a few times in my life. I'm thinking of three times in particular where I was the first one at the scene of an accident or the, the accident was there. I'm thinking of a car that was flipped on its side on Sycamore. I'm thinking of a car that was in its ditch right next to our, our church in Little Falls where I ran out into the ditch and prayed with the family until the, until the ambulance came. And um, so there were a few different times when, when folks were in cars and two times when they were trapped in the vehicle and I was praying with them through the window trying to kind of like, you know, comfort them for a moment. And... Uh, you, we've all probably been in situations giving food to a hungry person on the corner, maybe helping somebody with some gas money uh, because they seemed out of options and asked you. And many of you have probably done that along the way. And sometimes I've been in too big of a hurry to help. Or I've noticed somebody else stopped. Okay, they're probably, they're probably taken care of. And I'm scheduled out. You know, I'm, ske I'm too scheduled without room for the Holy Spirit to interrupt my calendar sometimes, I think. And I believe a spirit-filled life means God has workers in the harvest field as well as those who treat their path as a place of ministry. The path that they walk, that there are moments where your path will intersect people in need. The people of God sometimes uh, only helped their own kind, you know. They, they, they ignored others because of steep prejudice. And in this story of the Samaritan, but in your life, uh, uh, in, and that's what happened here. But in your life, it might be someone that you would otherwise ignore. Tattoo guy. Maybe, you're, maybe you get nervous around tattoo guy, you know, or country music guy. How many have something against country music? Where are you at? Okay, yeah, God will help you through that prejudice, all right? Because, you know, they got, it, they got it hard. Their mamas won't let their babies grow up to be cowboys. So it's a lot of work. Maybe, you're, maybe, you're, maybe you got something against Chevy truck guy or Ford truck guy. Like, oh, yeah, they deserve to be on the road stranded. They, drove, they bought a Ford, you know? Maybe you got something against smelly homeless guy, you know? Maybe you got a prejudice against Packer guy or Patriot dude, you know. Maybe it's black guy, native guy, Asian guy. Maybe it's farmer guy. Maybe it's biker dude. Maybe it's gangbanger, saggy pants guy. Maybe it's confused and scary addict guy. My advice to you would be take time to whisper more prayers, Lord. Is there something you want me to do here? What if God is bringing ministry into our path and it's not about fixing that person? 
It's being the hands and feet of Jesus, helping out a brother or sister, a fellow humanoid on the path and being a good Samaritan. I'm sure you've heard studies about pretty, pretty uh, women get more help with when they're in trouble. Like they've done these studies where pretty gal carrying all the bags and then man after man is willing to help her out. Oh, let me help you with that. Carry, oh, yeah. Oh, that looks. He- let me help you with that. Right. And then they have other lady a little disheveled, you know, and they they took I remember one time they took the same lady and they put all these clothes on her and made her look more disheveled and overweight. And then nobody helped her with her groceries. And what I love about the Good Samaritan, the story of Jesus, is the Samaritan finds the man unaware of how he got there. In the story, anyway, it looks like, you know, Jesus making up a hypothetical story. But I like that there's no dialogue about how this man ended up in this terrible situation. He just sees somebody hurting. He sees a need and he tries to meet it. And you know what bothers me about me? is I want to know that people really need my help. <clears throat> I, w- I want them to really appreciate my help. I want them to have a good attitude afterwards. I want to know that I'm investing well in this person. I hate that about me. Because when I read the Good Samaritan story, I can't, you know, I, 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 I'm also a little too paranoid or I'm too skeptical or I'm, uh, maybe what's the, what's the other word I'm looking for? Um, I distrust people. And I sometimes think Jesus tells a story that the guy pays for the guy's lodging and says, hey, put whatever you whatever this guy needs to get well, put it on my tab. And I'm thinking, Lord, what if this guy stays in the hotel an extra week after he's feeling better and he orders room service and pay-per-view movies on my tab? You know, because I, this Samaritan, don't you think he, like, trusts human beings a little too much? Like, he has a little too much faith in the human race. I like the idea of adopt a highway. <coughs> You know, good citizens for the sake of humanity, cleaning up a section of the highway makes for a nicer community, makes save some tax dollars. And it's a it's a win win. I believe the ministry of Jesus is go and make disciples. The harvest is ready. Adopt your path. That ministry usually finds people who have a willing heart. And a lot of times ministry finds you just as you're traveling down the road. And then number three, all in the same chapter of Luke chapter 10, verse 38, Jesus and his disciples were on their way, and he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to get off her butt and do something. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You're worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed, or indeed only one. And Mary has chosen what is better 
and it will not be taken away from her. Now, if you're like Joan, you sympathize with Martha. Someone has to take care of the food. You know, we had a big Thanksgiving at our house, and Joan's an organizer. Who's bringing this? Who's bringing that? And then once the thing happens, it's only partially over, right? Because sometimes cleanup in the aftermath of all those dishes and silver and, and, and the cleanup can be bigger than the preparation time. Now, I, I have this little problem where, but I daydream about Martha saying, Lord, uh, since all these people over here, could you do that food multiplication thing that you do? And then could you do it for the cleanup too? That way I can just sit at your feet here and my house won't be destroyed. <laughs> but I don't think that's the point that Jesus is trying to make here. It's really about not about who's working and who's not working. As I looked at the chapter at the whole, I thought there there's the Lord calling out, sending, sending out these Folks, to do the ministry, heal the sick, pray, pray the prayer of faith, preach the gospel. And then also, as you're just walking in life, whatever things come into your path that you're 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 asking the Lord for Holy Spirit insight. And how could 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 this be an opportunity? Am I the Samaritan here, Lord, that you're asking me to do? And then thirdly, thirdly, one of the highest callings of ministry is just to sit at the feet of Jesus. And that you're qualified for that. You're capable of that. You don't need Bible college training to be able to do what Jesus would say. Fewer things are needed. And indeed, Jesus said, only one thing needs to happen. There's a lot of stuff you can get caught up in. There are a lot of details you can get caught up in. But don't get so busy that you miss the one, the one thing that's real. Few things are needed, Jesus said, and indeed, only one. And Mary's just chosen to sit at my feet. No matter how hectic or how much things need to get done, take time to simply sit at the feet of Jesus. You have the skill. You can't be too busy for that. You can't be too tired for that. Lord, as we just ponder your word today. I pray for Holy Spirit insight and uh, for the what will look like probably interruptions in our week this week, but maybe they're divine appointments. Maybe they're not accidents in front of us. Maybe we're in the right place to do the ministry that uh, finds us. So, God, in however we build ministry, whether it's uh, a professional, whether it's uh, a ministry outreach time or the path in front of us. I know that you're calling every one of us to the most important thing, to sit at your feet, to listen, to worship, to praise you with our life in Jesus name.